the bass is non-existent. The mm-hmm. guitar, the the, the, guitar, the guitars, the guitar, the guitar, guitar, the guitar, toys, the toy, the, the fucking, guitars. got some toy nups, the toy guitars. <laughs> <laughs> the guitars are super fucking loud, and there are parts of the how the fuck, dude. I'm like slurring uh, all my words and sound like yeah, butthole right now. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band or artist and we break down one of their records and we uh, we research the blah, fucking hell blah, out of it. And we try to have a good time doing it. Uh, my name is Tyler and way out there hundreds of miles away is Jeff. While you're listening, because I know you got nothing better to do, that's why you're listening to the podcast. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, especially Spotify. Give us five stars and five stars only. You know, all the social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good shit. Uh, our handle is at Asinine Radio. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, let us know. We'll send you the link. We have a we have a phone number you can call. You can leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. The phone number is 503-893-5307. Or if you just want to make it easy on yourself, go to the description of this episode, especially if you're on Spotify. You'll see a button where you can leave us a voice message on there. You can leave us. A, I think you could also leave us a, a text message as well. So go do that if you want to, because why the fuck not? Get in a fight with us. We will probably make fun of you. And um, with all that being said, all that intro out of the way, let's jump right into the episode. So what are we doing today, Jeff? Uh, We are doing Metallica's and Justice for All.
Metallica formed in 1982 in Los Angeles, California by Lars Ulrich on drums, James Hetfield on vocals and rhythm guitar, Dave Mustaine on lead guitar, Ron McGovney on bass, and they currently have 10 full-length records, 11 live records, one collaboration record, one cover album, one soundtrack, three EPs, and have sold well over 125 million records worldwide. But that one we're doing today is And Justice For All, and it is their fourth record. It was released September 7th in 1988. It features James Hetfield on vocals and rhythm guitar, Kirk Hammett on lead guitar, Jason Newstead on bass, Lars Ulrich, Lars Ulrich on yeah. drums, and has sold over 11 million copies worldwide. Now, Jeff, what, uh, this is Metallica. We're doing Metallica today for the second time ever. Oh, what is your yeah. origin right. story sure. with the Metallicas? Okay. Go. Yeah. My, my, my earliest memory with Metallicas is the video for one. Really? And that fucking, uh, I, I watched that as a very young child and it scared the shit out of me. And I didn't like it, and I was legitimately frightened by that video. And I probably had it been like fucking dude, like seven, maybe six. I don't know, but I was yeah. really, I was honestly scared. It was like a, it was like a horror <laughs> movie, and I, like I like horror movies, but even still to this day, I get scared. I get frightened pretty easily when watching movies. And so that is always that has always stuck with me. And then fast forward to you know many decades after that. Metallica has come and gone. Just never cared because I never thought they were great, um, and that's that's fair because I've really only ever been introduced to Metallica post this album, post uh, uh, "Injustice for All," and so that's kind of your fault for for not introducing me to Metallica <laughs> until it is until a couple of years ago when we did the first time on the pod and we did uh, uh, Master totally of Puppets. I'm not totally wrong. wrong. This is you are you, you are You should have showed wrong. me Battery a long long time ago. Hey, here's a Metallica song that starts off acoustic. That would have got me in the door, be it or not. So I I I blame, I, I specifically I, blame you. I specifically you. remember bringing Hit the Lights to the podcast when we first started podcasting. You should have brought ago. Battery. But I did bring Hit the Lights. And I know throughout the years I've played you Kill 'em All at least once, like when, like on our on our road trips to Oregon or our road trip to Oakland or v- the many trips to Vegas we used to make, I know for a fact I've played Kill 'Em All in the car. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta ease it in sometimes. With with this much hatred that I had, I had backlogged for Metallica. You gotta <laughs> ease it in. And Metallica is definitely a band that is easy to hate. They are very easy to hate. Oh yeah, so. for sure especially if you haven't been with them since the beginning or heard their album since the beginning, they're a very easy band to hate. So, um, yeah, my first introduction to Metallica is for sure the video for one, you know, scared the fucking shit out of me for many, many years. And then my first actual introduction to Metallica was on the podcast doing master of puppets. That was like, like I, like I said on the album rankings, that was maybe the third or fourth episode we did in the new format. So just maybe two, two and a half years ago. Yeah crazy oh so i will say real quick in the introduction i said the band formed in 1982 they did not they formed in 1981 so any of you asshole purists out there listening still i was i, I stand corrected it is 1981 they're probably they typing formed. their fucking notes out of right you fucking idiot you fucking stupid your podcast is a sham fuck you i know fucking Joe idiots Cox. metallica yeah. fans hate them all except for me um <clears throat> All right, so your that was your introduction. Um, you're way late to the game, which was really unfortunate. 
because I really right. did try to push this fucking band well, yeah, on you. But... It's your fault. But that's fine. But at least now you like them, or at least now you love them to the point where you have several of their records on vinyl, and you can't stop listening to them because they're amazing. I so. like honestly, I I would legit buy. I would spend like a hundred dollars to two hundred dollars on a good sounding copy of any one of their my top four, really. Even Justice. Yeah, Damn, there's a okay. lot. There's a lot about this album that I like, and there's a lot about this album that I think is okay. But there's nothing that I don't like. Because that was kind of the the thing when we went into this week, we weren't sure if we wanted to do this record because you were still not very familiar with it. I think you would only listen to this maybe once or twice in the past. Yeah. We'd only ever listen to Ride the Lightning, Puppets, and Kill 'Em All. But I'm glad we end, we did end up doing this record because I think we're gonna get through a lot of good stuff on here. Yeah. But um, all right. So kind of my origin story, real quick, is the first thing I ever heard was Enter Sandman. I was a kid. I was a small kid. That song scared me because I saw that video and that video scared me for whatever reason. That, that Inner Sandman video scared me. And then I remember uh, watching the music, the world premiere music video for the song I Disappear, which is a, a soundtrack song. It was on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. And I loved that song. I still love I Disappear. I think that's an absolute banger okay. of a song. I fucking love it. And I, And I remember at the time going back and not really i was still in my very i was in my infancy stage of listening to to music and and finding past records cuz this is like kind of the pre-internet you know the, the internet was very much new and yeah, it was hard to, to find work. a lot of information we had to put yeah, work into this you really did in 1998 you really had to put work into it and when you had dial up at the time that made it you know way more difficult so <laughs> i i re, i went out and i I found I got a burned copy of of the Black Album somehow. I don't remember how I got it, and I hated it. I fucking hated the Black Album. So I just kind of wrote Metallica off for a couple of years, and it wasn't until I was introduced to Kill 'Em All uh, by friend of the pod Kevin, Kevin who I've known for most of my life. Uh, we kind of reconnected as friends our freshman year of high school, and we reconnected through the band Thrice. We both really really liked Thrice. Really? Yeah. Well, you've known that Kevin that long. I've we've known we've been going to school and been kind of friends since kindergarten. Yeah. Oh wow. So we've been friends for all, our, most of our lives, and so but yeah, like I said, we reconnected a freshman year of high school through Thrice, and Kevin was like, "Do you like Metallica?" And I said, "No, I I hate you know, Enter Sandman. I like I disappear." And he kind of laughed at me and made fun of me, and he said, "Well, listen to this," and he gave me a burned copy of Kill 'Em All, and that that changed everything for me that burned <laughs> copy of kill em all and i borrowed it from him that night i went home burned that copy for myself and i was just addicted i listened to that 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 first year i listened to that, that album every day every fucking day i listened to kill em all and then eventually i went out and bought puppets which i fell in love with and ride the lightning then justice and then i went by tried to revisit black album again and i still fucking hated it so this is not good yeah, it's it's just not at all. But yeah, Kill 'Em All was was the true was the real thing that got me into this band. So that was like 2001. I think we yeah, had just like late 2001 when I got into Kill 'Em All. And dude, I just I fell in love with it. And then yeah, the rest is history. I I've, I've loved this band ever since. So okay, okay. That's okay. my that's my origin story, my long origin story. So what do you what do you think what do you have on your first impressions with uh <coughs> and Justice for All? And that'll lead into our biggest banger, or our, yeah, our biggest banger from this. 
So what do you got? I've I have no stinkers. I only have five bangers. There's only nine songs. There's so, nine bangers too. There, no, no. This uh, this album is weird because the bass is non-existent. The mm-hmm. guitar, the the, the, guitars, the guitars, the guitars, the toy, the toy, the got some toy nups, the toy guitars. <laughs> <laughs> the guitars are super fucking loud. <laughs> And there are parts of the, how, the fuck, dude. I'm like slurring uh, all my words and sound like a yeah. butthole right now, like an actual <laughs> tight butthole. Um, and there are parts of the album where I think like Lars's drumming is yeah. some of the worst he's ever done. But he has he's, some cool parts too. He does. He has some really cool. Le- he has some really cool fills. He, there's some Tom stuff that I love. But goddamn, there are parts of the album like, what are you doing? Just shut the fuck up. Don't yeah, play anything. I know, I know. I know. So so I know. overall, I, I think this album is lacking in bass. Like that's just that's a that's a, a common denominator for anybody that's ever heard this album. Everybody says the same thing. And number two, I I like this album because this is the most like like proggy they've ever been, and mm-hmm. and and even then, it's not. I mean, it's nowhere near to the complexity of like BT Bam or, or any other prog bands from the seventies and sixties. But there's something to be said about hearing the same for an hour and a half and not get tired of it. And that's really what this album is about. This album is about how the fuck can you do that same for an hour and a half, but I'm not tired of it. Like that's, that's kind of impressive. That's kind of impressive from beginning to end. Like, because there's not a lot of variety to this. There's parts that like drop in and double time and stuff, but there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of craziness to this. There's not a lot of like high and lows. The high and lows are still kind of in the medium, in the middle there. And so I, I don't, I don't know what it is about this album. And I, I, I listened to it multiple times and I like it a lot. Like I, I want to buy this on the vinyls, but like on paper, this is something that I would fucking hate. This is something that I should hate. I don't, yeah. and I don't, I don't know why. Every, every song is like a story. Like every song is the same great story because they're all long. Every single song is long, except for maybe Blackened. That is one of the shorter songs. But even still, it's like over five minutes long. But everything <laughs> has the same formula. Everything has an intro that builds, 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 builds into like a thrashier riff, then drops into the this versus a, a good catchy chorus. And then it has this long drawn out bridge, and then drops back into the into like a like another couple choruses or maybe another verse and a couple more choruses. That's the formula of every single one of these songs. And a lot of these songs are seven to nine minutes long, almost 10 minutes long sometimes. But they're very formulaic. They're very much the same. And I, and I, and I totally understand where you're coming from, where it's all a ton of chugging because there's nothing super fast on this record. Like even Master of Puppets has a lot, has a lot of melody and has a lot of a little more complex ideas and, and, and everything like that. But this kind of took away from the complexity and just stripped it down to like a chugging, a chugging album. That's that's what this is. It's all fucking chugging. And I feel like any band that ever tried to sound like Metallica tried to sound like this, but just were never good at it ever. They never did it because at all. this Even, this shouldn't be good. I know, but it still is. It's crazy. <laughs> it sh- this should not be good. Like if you <laughs> explain know. this to somebody, this should not be good. I yeah. I. God damn, like reading stuff about this before I listened to it, I was just like, dude, this sounds awful. This there's no fucking way it's gonna be as good as the other three. And 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 I don't know, man. Like on paper, again, like this should not be good. I should have lost interest instantaneously. 
But Blackened's my one B, dude. Blackened is my favorite is track. It really? In this album. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, dude, the wow. god damn, Blackened is so fucking good. I mean, I have five B's on here, and my five B's are are strictly B's. Like they are bangers. Wow. Sometimes beyond bangers. Blackened but even my non B's. Yeah. Even my non B's. There are parts of of my non B's that I think like, holy fuck, this part is really, really good. And yeah, this whole album is just chugging. I don't wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is possible. I don't know how a monotonous, boring, simple, one-dimensional album like this can be so good. I don't. I, I get no, it. I don't. I can't explain it. Even even the the cheesiness of the song one, like the first three minutes of that song. Fucking love one. I love that song. I don't care. <laughs> it's still a two B. As cheesy as it is, it's so good. And and even though Lars's drum parts in the slow part of the song, the first three minutes of the song are just horrendous. They're terrible. Oh, but there's still idiot. something about it. I think it's I think it and should we just get into one? Yeah. Just let's to get, get it one. out of the way. That's okay, my two B. So that is my four B. That's my 10B. That's probably what you're going to say right now. No, it's my 5B. It's my 5B. I, I apologize. So, so one, yeah, it, you know, the first fucking three and a half minutes or something like that, it's uh, it's just the the clean guitars, a lot of acoustic guitar layered over it. There's a lot of layering in this song, especially during the cleaner parts. And Lars is just turned up way high in the mix. His beat sucks honestly it's a shitty beat. It's trash it's <laughs> fucking trash yeah. just don't play anything dude <laughs> like, there's two times this album where i was just like dude just shut the fuck up entirely don't play anything this is yeah, one of I know. them it really is especially when you have the kind of i don't want to say complexity but like i said the layering of the guitars during the clean parts is just so good because because you have you have hetfield playing just that that simple those simple notes and then Hammett, Kirk Hammett comes in with that awesome clean lead. It just sounds, oh, it's, it's so not nice. overly complicated, but it's just, it's just a beautifully crafted solo and beautifully crafted leads. It's, it's really, really great. And the buildup into the double bass and just the heaviness, the darkness imprisoning me, you know, it just, this is, this is perfection. This is, the buildup is absolute perfection in this song. Like no other song really has this kind of buildup to this extent. It's just, it's, it's really something special. I, so. I, I agree. This might do be, I, I, I like the continuity on this out on the, on the song. Like everything matches, right? The, the opening soundscapes, the video, everything about this, the vibe, the, the lyrics, the tone, as far as Lars goes, dude, it's trash. Dude, it's trash in the song. Then <laughs> the video, my God. I rewatched the video twice this week because it's so goddamn good. Yeah, it's but then if you video. notice if you notice Lars, he does these fucking things with his mouth. Like he's really getting into the song. Yeah, and like moving his mouth, like, like, like biting his lip and shit. I'm like, dude, and you're he not does even like playing the O anything. sounds. He does like, like the O even... sounds oh, with his mouth. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you're not like you're not even playing anything. Oh God, he's <laughs> he's so annoying. He's a but, showman. But, he's a showman. But like you can't, you can't help but think the song is like super catchy, and like honestly, one of my favorite vocal parts of any Metallica song ever is the way Hatfield or Hetfield, uh, depending if you're <laughs> Weezer fan or not, the way he says "Hold my so breath funny. as I wish for death." Hold my breath as I I just. The way it just goes, perfect chugs, perfect yeah. chugs to match just 
a simple vocal melody. God, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like that just blew my mind listening to this week. I just, I could not believe how great that was. I love that so much. I, I can listen to just that one like five second clip for fucking an hour and a half and be happy. I love it and so, so much. Like he has the whole my breath is I wish for death. death. Oh please God save me. Just that that scale. Yeah. Is, the second is part of so that chorus de- the guitars yes. are playing the chorus melody. Yes. That's I so know. dope. It's so fucking amazing. I know. I totally agree. It's fucking the song is a, is is just a really, really well crafted song. This is like <laughs> dude. So, so everybody praises the Black Album so fucking much, right? And like Unforgiven, so there's three yeah, of them, for God's sakes. Uh, yeah, and God, the third one's dude, the worst. You fucking need three of the like, same Like they get shit worse song. and worse. They get worse and worse as you go. And it's like, dude, here, this is their, be- this is their best ballad they've ever done. Yeah, I would, or maybe Fade to Black. Fade to Black is a really good song, too. That's but the best, one. their best ballad, though? This is their best ballad. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, okay, okay. This is their best ballad. Okay. Okay. Fair. That's fair. Only because of the the kind of the story it tells. Because not only is it the music, but it's also the lyrics that that build up, and you know. So so after after the the chorus ends, it's just Lars hitting the the double bass like da da and then the guitars come in that just the the thrashy heaviness coming in, and then and then Hetfield comes in and goes darkness imprisoning me all that I see absolute horror. I cannot live. I cannot die. It's the lyrics are so good. <laughs> they're so they're so depressing and just so angry and oh my god, dude, they're so full of emotion and mix that with the 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 instruments and then it, and then it, it kind of and then his voice trails off the last time and then everybody's just going everybody's just like this it turns into this to this complete thrash song. And then out of nowhere, really kind of out of nowhere, you don't expect this kind of guitar solo to come out of Kirk Hammett. This guitar solo is, it's it's unbelievable. There's, Dude, that last solo is fucking boss. There's nothing it is so good. There's nothing that compares to Kirk Hammett's guitar solo in this song. I mean, it truly, I mean, we listen to a lot of different kinds of music, you know, metal to fucking every, we listen to fucking a lot of shit. But Kirk Hammett, he... He is kind of a shitty guitar player, but his guitar solos and what he can write in the guitar solo is really something special. And this is one of those examples where he he absolutely shines. He's so he adds these little nuances and these little quirks and little harmonics and and he throws in the wah pedal like so perfectly. Dude, the guy the guy can write a fucking solo without a this- doubt. So like Kurt Hammett, I I, I think is is, a, is another one dimensional dude from Metallica, but his one dimension that he can do, he does it in a way that that is acceptable to like children, to where children can be like, oh yeah, that's something I could do when I grow up. To like like guitar teachers, you're like, holy fuck, that's actually really complex. I can't believe you did that. Like everybody can really get behind his solos. I don't know, I, like I don't know if that's just because you just during this this tenure in the eighties, they just had something going, or mm-hmm. or if he was just if he was really meticulous about writing his solos, I couldn't read a lot about how he wrote his solos, but yeah, dude, I agree. Kurt Hammond in the fucking eighties was unreal. Yeah, after that, I think he's trash and garbage. But goddamn, in the eighties, he was untouchable. So everything I've ever seen and read about Kurt Hammond and his guitar solos is that he would go in, 
and he would go into the song pretty much pretty much after it was all done and he would go lay down the solos but he would he would throw down like 10 to 20 takes of a solo and then they would just pick the best of all those solos some like in like in the newer records they would kind of pick the best from each take but back in the earlier days they would just take the best of all the takes so not so every every single time you would play it it would be something different and that's how it was up through their newest record hardwired he would play it he would play the solo different every single time until they until he and the rest of the band thought that was it or they would pick from the 20 different takes or whatever it is so it was never it was never like you know we we talk about pantera and how dimebag you know was so specific and very meticulous about what he did and you know solo wise and just everything but kirk hammett is the the polar opposite of that it was just like let me just do what i feel it feels right and pick the best from that you know which is kind of cool too it's a completely different way of writing a song but it's kind of lazy at the same time and it and a lot of the things what, what what people have always made fun of about metallica you know one is obviously Lars has gotten worse year yeah, after year he's for like, sure gotten worse that's just a fucking fact dude he's for sure gotten worse it's unbelievable he, the, <laughs> he has for sure gotten worse yeah no musician in popular music that has gotten worse over the years and another is that kirk hammett has never played any of his guitar solos the same at any of his concerts like he fucks up you watch any live video of metallica and trust me i've seen a lot of fucking live videos and he never plays the solos correctly he never does even like songs, you know, they played, they've played Master of Puppets more than any song they've ever played. He still, he still cannot nail that guitar solo. And they played but it like, for, they played it over a thousand times live, you know. The Grateful Dead made a career out of that though. Why, yeah, why, the why is it different? Because why is it okay for them to do it? Because they're, you, you but know, the last why. two you minutes of this song are fuck. It's, it's a fucking jam part. The last two it minutes is. of the song is it a jam is, part. Yeah. Straight up. But, I think the difference is also because they are Metallica's not a jam band. They're they're a thrash band, or at the time they were a thrash band. They're not they're not meant to improvise, you know. They're not a, they're not like that. That's not their style. But yeah, Kirk Hammond, that everybody always talks shit on him and, and I agree because the dude can't even play he can't even play an, the Anna Sandman solo correctly. You know? <laughs> it's not okay, even it's that not hard a, of a it's solo. It's not a good solo. I don't but understand like why you're so hung up on the solo. It's not a good but I'm just solo. Saying, I'm just saying, like, it's not even that difficult of a solo, and he still can't even nail that, and it's been 30 years since that record came out. It's because he's lazy. And he still can't Metallica is this, this machine that, that's been chugging along for so long, it's unstoppable. Metallica is literally unstoppable. They're <laughs> yeah, unstoppable. But you know what's point. great about Metallica, too? Another thing that makes them great is that they, yeah, they, they do charge a lot for, for the stuff that they put out, but they also give a lot to their fans. Like, they're one of the earliest bands to in the modern era, I know Grateful Dead did this, but in the modern era, they have literally recorded every single one of their records, every single run of one of their concerts since like 2005 or something like that, or maybe, maybe, maybe even earlier. And they immediately posted online like within a week. So you can go, like when I saw Metallica at the forum in 2008, I could literally go on their website and I can go listen to that same concert I was at in 2008. Like everything has been so cataloged and so and everything literally everything's been recorded with this band which is so cool and they give so and like the packaging for their vinyl releases and their deluxe editions for anything are so well detailed and intricate and <laughs> i mean a lot of people say like it's worth the money yeah you're gonna pay 200 dollars for a box set but 
everybody always says like it's worth it like because of the amount of just quality stuff they put into these their box sets and everything else so i i I really respect that about the band that they really care it seems like they care about the fans a lot at least they pretend to (laughs) i mean we're not gonna even like I guess bring up the the whole Napster thing, but that's fine. Yeah, the Napster thing is a, is a can, little bit different. We can we can just skip that and pretend it never <laughs> happened. That was that was a that was a dark era for the band. They had put out they had just put out three shitty fucking records. Yeah, so they, they, they were, were they were on a they were in a in a lull in their yeah. Career. We're, we're grasping at straws. I get it. I get it. We've all been there. That's fine. No big <laughs> D. No big D. No big D. All right, so one, what do you have lyrically on this one since we already played the, um, the song a little bit? Well, like, I don't know. I, one, I, I feel, goes along with the video. And the video is about, uh, it, it's based on this this movie called Johnny Got His Gun. Which, which is, is based old, off of a book. Which is based off of a book. Nobody reads books, so who gives a fuck about books, Tyler? Come on. That's silly boy talk. Okay. <laughs> ever since ever since TV was invented, nobody reads books. That's just stupid. <laughs> People that read books are just dumb. That's fact. <laughs> most of the audience are turning this podcast off. Yeah, most of the audience probably read books. Probably always up with all these books. At this point. <laughs> yeah, but like, dude, like that fucking oh my! The premise of the movie or book is is so <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. Even like just reading the synopsis, it's fucking intense. Like a guy drafted to World War One. He's hospitalized because he gets his arms, his legs, and essentially his face blown off. And the only way he can communicate is by Morse code. He's essentially like bobbing his head, saying like SOS or kill me. And mm. he, he develops this relationship with like the, the orderly or the nurse. And he asks her, like, do you, like, you got to kill me. And, and according to the movie, she, the nurse, tries to kill him. But she's kind of like, uh, she stopped before she can do it. And um, he's he's essentially left to live it out his life in his own, like his own personal prison. His own like his body is now a prison, and I feel like one. And I I will never I will never be able to disassociate the video with the song because the video like honestly, it scared me for so long. Yeah, like the movie Basket Case, the, the movie Basket Case scared me for decades, and I will <laughs> never be able to dis- disassociate the two with each other. So no matter what, I will always listen to the song one and think it's about this story. And given that, I get it. I, I think it falls in line. I think it's fucking frightening. And I, I, I like I like the way like the song adds the lighter, softer, more clean solo, right? Mm. It's a cool contrast because this is a super somber song. And that little bit like gives the song a sort of like speck of hope. Much like the story, like the story, yeah. the guy's like asking the nurse to like, "You'd kill me," but if you listen to that, the, the the solo, it's it's immediately cut off. It's interrupted by another chorus, and then it bleeds into the second solo, which is back to like the normal, uh, distorted, heavy thing. And I think that's cool because we are now hearing a story in the music where even though there's a speck of hope, we're gonna shut that down. We're gonna we're 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 gonna cut it down. We're gonna go back into the heavy distorted stuff because there is no hope. And I like that. I do too. I do too. I, I, I agree with you too. The video is is eerie. It's it's creepy. It's when you're a kid, I mean, when I finally saw the video, I was maybe like sixth or seventh grade and it, it creeped me out back then. Like I was it's it's unsettling watching watching 
you know, a guy with like this crazy face mask on. Like it's not a normal mask. It's like this yeah, box. Yeah, what the fuck? It's like dude. a box like a over box his face. on his face. And he's like twitching and everything like that and, and mix that and with these the guys video. look scary. Like I'm not yeah. a fucking metal kid, dude. These got long hair and ugly mustaches. Like I'm scared, dude. <laughs> They're ugly dudes. Yeah, the guys in the band are ugly. Yeah. Um, but then also, so a fun little fact too is that the, the, the movie Johnny Got His Gun Metallica actually bought the rights for the movie because they wanted to use portions of the movie in the music video and the creator said no we're not going to let you do that so then they pretty much said well fuck you then we'll just buy the rights and they did they they literally bought the rights for the movie just for such this a music boss video. move such a it boss is move really it really really is and honestly it made for an a fucking amazing video it really it just it just matches the song so well and I don't know. It's it's fantastic. Honestly, like watching watching the video again this week makes me want to like rethink my top videos of all time, because mm-hmm. I, I think it achieves everything it sets out to do. It's amazing. I agree. I've always wanted to watch the movie too, but I've never I never got around to it. Never did. But I'll buy it on Amazon. It's probably free. It's probably in the public domain since Metallica bought it. But who knows? Yeah, because Metallica gives out stuff for free. You're right. <laughs> You're right. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking assholes. They're a bunch of fucking dickheads. Fuck Metallica. (laughs) Um, All right. So then, what is your what's your one B then? Let's move on. Blackened. The opening track. Blackened. In the year. What the (laughs) fuck? Blackened is so fucking good. I just. I mean, this is essentially the first thing I've heard from this album, right? I'm not familiar with this at all, aside from one. So Black and Drops. And when you listen to it, when we did Master of Puppets two years ago. I don't remember it at all, though. Like, oh, like right. at all. And and I like the intro riffage, like the very, very intro. It's anthemic a little bit. It's kind of like that Canon and D graduation uh, song sounding. It reminds me of that. And then the song drops in. Super solid. Easy drums. Classic Metallica riffage. I say, okay. All right. I get it. And get behind this. Dude, and then when the music really kicks in, we got his groove, and it's yeah. fun. This is a fun song. Oh, it is. It totally is. But I will say, when when everything kicks in, Lars is just hitting the snare drum, and the guitar has that fucking amazing riff. But it's just, it's just <laughs> fucking Lars going da 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 da. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. There's some good fills though. There's some good fills going into the riff again when everything comes in. Dude, when 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 James says black, when he says the word blackened. That's when Lars throws down some really cool fills. Yeah. And no, there's even right, a solid yeah. like double bass part, which he does not do well at all. But <laughs> yeah, I know. He's there's some good so shit in the song. He's trying so hard, but there's some solid stuff in here. You know, and the bridge, songwriting uh, wise. The bridge part for this reminded me of of like Seek and Destroy, early Kill 'em All Days. And I guess like well, any any uh any song they do where it's just like a lead by bass drummer the doof 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 and then going into whatever they're gonna do but yeah. I love the pacing I love the pacing change in the bridge it slows the song oh, yeah. down it's, it, honestly it slows it down to a crawl but it doesn't lose any of its intensity <laughs> no that's you're what right I want. that's what the, I want when, when it does slow down in that bridge the lead guitar it just it builds into the into the actual solo so so nicely like it's it's everything in this song is well I wouldn't say everything in the song is seamless because the beginning with the with the, you know the distorted guitar parts the intro leading into the 
until the into the the drum part when it really picks up that's a little disjointed but after that the song builds and dips and then builds again especially in the bridge so fucking well so fucking nice and i will say this is i hate saying it because i do like the song a lot but this is like a bastardized ver- bastardized version of battery like they were trying to recreate battery but just didn't quite it didn't sit as well because you know battery starts with the acoustic guitar and then it and then it really hits into that riff much like this does but it just doesn't have that same seamlessness as battery does and it just doesn't sound as good it's more it seems very this song seems very forced in that matter honestly i I think i think it's because we're missing cliff i think cliff is there to to say like yes we are getting better at, at writing music because he's absent on this one and Jason Newsted is a fantastic bass player too. Like he's really, really yeah, oh good. Yeah. Not utilized in like any way. But I, I, I think because Cliff isn't there, and this is a weird time for the band. Like he fucking died. You know, what I mean? like, a year before this. Like your brother just died. Like that's insane. And so now you're writing a, a, an album, and you're trying to recapture Master of Puppets, but you're missing the person that brought you to Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Because I think without Cliff, they never would have. They never would have progressed to Master of Puppets. I just don't think they would have. I don't think so either. And and I, I've read an interview with Lars recently where people were saying, you know, what? Why was the why was there such a change in in musical musical style from Justice to Black? And he said, and Lars Lars claims that you know that that jump in style would have would have happened whether or not Cliff had died or no. The, the interview had asked like if Cliff was still alive, do you think you guys would have kept with like the more metal thing and not transition transition into more of a hard rock thing? And Lars said, no, because Cliff was always the driving force behind the band and what would have happened after master. He can't even imagine because Cliff was the one that, that introduced the band to, to punk rock, introduced them to motorhead, introduced them to, to, to you know old rock and roll like Chuck Berry and stuff like that like he was the one that brought in the the different stylings and and when you read really read about it too people they've always said like you know we were all the guys with the long hair you know the tight pants you know very much in the metal scene but then Cliff was came in and he was a total hippie he had the facial the the straggly facial hair he had the bell bottom jeans everything like that that was completely the opposite of metal he was the hippie guy so he brought in this like completely different kind of musical style and and Lars has always said like who knows what would have happened after Master of Puppets it could have been something completely off the wall and I thought that was kind of interesting and maybe who knows I don't know Lars has also said like you know we probably would have made something even poppier than the Black Album had had Cliff you know not died which I don't believe either because what I what I what I really thought about this week was Cliff was the one guy in the band who could tell Lars and James no. He was the only one who was not a yes man cuz Kirk has no backbone. He has no spine. He no. never has. Even to this day, he's a if you watch any any sort of like jam session with them, they treat Kirk like shit. Absolute shit. God, and dude, it's terrible. It's, it's like it's kind of sad. It's honestly kind of sad. And then Rob Trujillo, great bass player, great musician, but he's you know he's just there because he can play all the part. He can do anything. That's really why he's there. And he's a really nice guy. But he's also kind of a pushover, it seems. Well, well, like, 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 clearly, they don't care about bass playing because we're, we're ranking an album this week that has zero bass playing. Well, yeah, there's that too. 
but uh, but yeah i feel like if cliff had not died and continued on with the band their their music would have changed a lot but it, it would have changed for the better it would have changed it would have been so like they would not he could literally tell them no cliff was he was the mediator he was the he was the what what is it like the um like the uh oh my god what what is it like like a not a producer but the outside ear because Lars and James wrote all the music, but then I felt like Cliff was there to to wrangle them in and and say, you know, that sounds like fucking shit. That sounds amazing. You know, he was always there as the as the the middle person, the voice of reason, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and that it was makes completely sense. lost after Puppets. It makes sense because they like even though Master of Puppets, there's a lot of pop elements to that because there's a lot of very very strong melodies that songs revolve around. It's still. It's still a progression. It's still a progression from Kill 'Em All, and that's why their first three are—I swear to God—they're unfucking touchable. Yeah. And this one, this one has all of those elements, but it's just like you know it's not quite there. Like you hear it, you're like you know this is really good, but it's missing something. And so I find it—I find it hard to believe that that had Cliff stayed with the band, had this album come out with Cliff, that it that it it wouldn't be exponentially better than this because they were getting better. Hatfield sure. Hatfield was getting better. Lars was getting worse, but he's getting better at like songwriting. <laughs> like really he was. Like he's getting no, better right, at songwriting. Right. Yeah. He's focusing less on drumming and he's getting better at songwriting. And Kurt Hammett, I mean, he's he's fine, whatever. He I don't think he's ever gotten worse or better. He's just stayed consistent. But like Hetfield's getting a bit better at guitar too. Like Hetfield's like uh, uh, taking over a lot of lead guitar duties. He's taking over some solos, and I don't I don't watch yeah. like a lot of Metallica live stuffs. But I mean, dude, fucking better guitars than Kurt than Kurt Hammond. Like straight. Oh up. He's, yeah, totally. Like he's he's a fucking better guitarist than Kurt Hammond. <laughs> that's that's a fucking fact. <laughs> it's so funny. Like when you watch when you watch them play Master of Puppets. When you watch them play that song, that during the bridge of that song, there's a was a part where they they each play the um the uh the clean guitar parts together that's that kind of solo lead part together and every time kirk hammett is a little bit off time just a little bit but it's just so obvious that that even though lars is such a shitty drummer james could still lock into that and rob can still lock into that but kirk cannot he just cannot kind of keep up with james like james is is just such a better guitar player, like both rhythmically and lead lead wise. Like Kirk can't keep up rhythmically. Like James has has a, has a crazy right hand with his downstrokes. He's one of the great, the truly great downstroke rhythm guitar players. Like you can't you cannot deny that whatsoever. He hits him so fast, he, so crisp. He can just go yeah. from string to string to string, and it's just flawless. Yeah, he he has one of the greatest right hands in in rock music without a without a fucking doubt and in hammett as much as i like the guy and i like his solos he cannot he cannot keep up with with uh headfield at all it sucks too but whatever I what think like, like if you had a graph right you would see you would see james hetfield go from the bottom left corner to the top right corner as a slope that that was going upwards whereas kirk hammett is already in the middle but it's a stagnant line yeah. <laughs> right. Like James gets better where Kirk is started off already better than James, 
but never progresses or or, or or regresses or anything. But like that's not what you want from music. And Metallica was a band that got better. I mean, not our favorite, but they they got better. They got more complex. They got different. They were doing things that was interesting from one, two, three. And even this one, this one is different. This one is kind mm-hmm. of better in a lot of ways in their first three, but they're missing Cliff. They're missing somebody there to kind of reel it in. Somebody there to to say, hey, these parts are great. These parts suck. Let's take out yeah. this and add more of this, and therefore we, we can have a good album. Like they're they're a band that is getting better and better and better, but they, they, yeah, like you said, like they need somebody that, so some mediator there, so someone there in the middle to 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 reel it all in, to kind of like throw in some sort of flair too. Because like bringing it back to when we started this episode, we talked about how you know it's just a ton of chugging, you know you get an eight minute kind of prog song, but it's all kind of the same tempo chugging, nothing really varies, but it, there's still something there like that that catchiness that melody. There's something that that sets it apart from from any other prog song or any other rock song, you know. But we need Cliff there to to throw in the nuances. Cliff, I feel like Cliff was was there also to throw in that kind of stuff, to throw in the wonky stuff, to throw in like a weird funk kind of who knows, like a funk beat or a funk riff or something. I, I don't know. That's kind of what you need. But after after puppets, there was nothing. It was just everything was so straightforward. I mean, look at the black album. Look at load and reload. I mean, it was just straightforward hard rock songs. There was no real complexity to it. Not to say that puppets was super complex, but there was at least thought put into a, a story musically that you never really heard after this record, especially. I mean, puppets but, like was was for sure for this band. Puppets was was for sure like complex. But we can see it even earlier for like for whom the bell tolls. That's a song mm-hmm. that is very like dun 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 dun. It's very simple, very just E yeah. string zero zero three five. You know, it's fucking E G A. Simple, simple, yeah. simple stuff. But we're adding some complexity to it. We're adding some bass parts. We're adding some high lead parts. Everything's kind of like coming together to build on this song that is basically nothing. There's really yeah, nothing right. there. There's not a lot of substance to these songs because, I mean, for real, like, Lars is just a shit drummer. So, like, there's only so much you can do with a shit drummer. <laughs> I know. Like, the backbone of a fucking band. Like, he's just, God, he's fucking trash. But then you can also make the, make the argument, if you had, like, a really great drummer like Dave Lombardo, could you have made music like this? Like, that's if another Dave thing, If Dave Lombardo too. could write music, then yes, you could have made but better see, music. See, that's what I'm saying, like... Lars is a great songwriter so that's that's I feel like that's one main reason why they ever kept him in the band was because he could he had an ear for music and that's why he was in the band even though he could barely pass as a drummer good especially God, as the years like, have did, gone on did nobody tell him like dude you suck bro like you're not a good drummer why not just like why not put him was, as like as, as like Jason Freeze put him like as a backup guitarist yeah who cares Put him as a as a fucking songwriter, you know, in the studio as a studio. Yeah, just pay his royalties. He's gonna show up. Good God! <laughs> there was a on the on the documentary, the some kind of monster documentary of uh, the making of Saint Anger. There was a part. It's a very famous scene. You could you could just type in like Lars Saint Anger, James Hetfield pissed off or something like that. It'll come off. It'll come up, and 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 Hetfield is just 
there's a part where they're, they're playing a riff or, or James is trying to play a riff and Lars cannot, he cannot find the beat at all. And James flat out calls him out on it. He's like, I thought you were a fucking drummer. Like he, he straight up like <laughs> talk shit on him. And then Lars gets pissed and then they kind of play it. And then James gets really pissed and he just storms out. Like he says something like, this is fucking bullshit. And then he leaves. Because Lars cannot find the fucking beat. And then Kirk Kirk Hammond is in the corner like, I don't know what to do, guys. And he just kind of sits back and takes it. <sighs> but yeah, there, it's so it, the clip is so fucking funny. But yeah, Lars is just, dude, it, it's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing. Dude, my so, cliff, dude cliff was the glue for this band. Oh, 100%. 100%. Good God. It's unbelievable. I know. So, uh... So let, let's wrap up Blackened and then let's talk about the bass tone because we got to talk about Jason Newstead, kind of how unfair he was treated in the band, especially at this time. And yeah, also what the fuck the only songwriting credit that Jason has on this record is on Blackened. Yes. So I thought that was really cool. He came up with the main riff that dun, 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 it's a really cool riff. Which who the really, fuck really cares is. anyway, because you can hear the bass at all. I know, and, but and I, that well, riff he came is, up with the guitar, guitar driven. No, no, he came up. Well, he came up with the bass riff, but then James is like, "Oh, let's let's play a let's play a, like a a variation of it on guitar." So that's kind of how it came about. So yeah, it was originally on bass, but it really was meant to be on the guitar. So like when I was reading about this, I, I could not believe that this is like even exists in an actual canon of Metallica, that that the producer of this album was like, yeah. I didn't want the bass to be turned down, but Lars and James both said they want it turned down because they want more guitars. And mm-hmm. it wasn't because they wanted less bass, it's because they wanted more guitars. And like everybody was just blaming each other for so many years. And then James said it was Lars's fault. And Lars says, like, no, it wasn't our fault. It was my fault. It was a band decision. I was like, dude, you guys are fucking pathetic. <laughs> I know. They this is unreal. Each other. I know. <laughs> it's true. Fucking pathetic. morons. And you know what I, what I thought was was really kind of was, actually was very annoying about this record and the making of it. They originally hired a guy named Michael Bink. Was that his fucking name? Ah, what was his name? The guy they hired and the guitars weren't loud enough, so they fired him and they hired somebody else to make the guitars louder. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they hired yeah. this guy. They they did a bunch of pre production with him, wrote with this guy, and and then because they originally wanted this guy Fleming Rasmus, Rasmussen, I think that's how you pronounce it. And they couldn't get him, so they got this this Bink guy, and they and they just apparently they didn't get along with him. So my idea is they didn't get along with him because he actually said, "No, that sounds like fucking shit." That's probably <laughs> what he said. It sounds like garbage, and they probably got mad because their egos were so big. And so then they 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 ended up firing him, and then they immediately got they were able to get Fleming to come in, and then Fleming produced the record. And according to Fleming, like you said. He produced the record, you know, he said Newstead had laid on some great bass lines. He he offered so much to the to the actual songs, but then Fleming was had nothing to do with the actual mixing process. Like he was like it kind of seemed like he was he was really kind of shut out completely by Lars and James and the two guys who mixed the record. I can't remember their names right now. And then at that point they they what was it? They said it was they said that Okay, I want you. I want Jason's. I want Jason's bass levels to be at this, and then they said, "Now I want it three decibels lower," 
And then they said they wanted it lower because they just came off of like some big arena tour and that, that damaged their hearing. So then they, they could barely, barely hear the higher tones in, in the guitar. So that's why they, they reduced the bass, the bass levels lower or some shit like that. It was like some, it's just a bunch so of bullshit. So stupid. I it was know. just so, such petty bullshit. And you know, full, full well that they fired this producer, the original producer, because he was telling saying no, this sounds like fucking shit. Because honestly, this record does sound like shit. The guitar yeah. tone, the guitar tone does sound like shit. The drums sound like fucking garbage. There's no bass at all. It does not sound like a good record. The songs of the songs are there. The songs are fucking amazing. But production and mix wise, it's it's horrendous. It's absolutely fucking shit. And Fleming, I read too, Fleming was saying in an interview like five, six years ago, he was saying that that after he heard the final mixes of the record, he said it sounded like they only used the the close mics. So they used none of the room mics. They only used the mics that were right on the drums, the mics that were right on the amps. They used no ambience. And he says that's why it sounds so compressed because they used no ambience. They used nothing big sounding they use no fucking room mics and it, when you and then when you go back and listen to it you're like oh yeah you're right there's no reverb there's nothing here it's it's so fucking dry it just it That's does like, sound like shit that that sounds like a band that is very selfish right like mm-hmm. no i only want to use the mics that are directly in front of my drum sets i only want to use the mics that are either hooked up to my amp or directly in front of my amp no like that's just that's fucking selfish like i want to be the front I want to be the star. Yeah. It it sounds like Metallica. It sounds like Lars. It really does sound like Lars. Because everything... Hetfield too, though. Yeah, Hetfield is to blame, but I feel like it's more Lars. He's just as much to blame, too, as as Lars is. I agree. But Lars only gets... Lars gets a bad rap because because we we hate him for the Napster thing. And Lars is just a shit drummer. At least Hetfield's a great guitarist. But it's not but only otherwise, that. I, I think Lars is fucking assholes. Lars is the outspoken one, though. Lars is Lars actually gets out there and and talks shit. James kind of stays in the background, and he'll say things on the side here and there. But he's never he never gets into the media. He never goes to the media and says says anything. You know, he agrees with Lars, but he never says it. He never outright says anything like Lars does. James Hetfield is a little bitch like fucking Kurt Hammett too. Are you saying Kurt? Or are you saying Kirk? Kirk, like Captain Kirk. It sounds like you're saying <laughs> Kurt, like Kurt Cobain. Did I Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain? Kurt Cobain. Oh, and then another thing like about this about this record. So in 2018, they they were they remastered this record for its what 30th anniversary. Yeah, right? that's the 30th anniversary. They um or 40th? No, 30th. 30th anniversary in 2018. And Lars said in an interview, they intentionally did not turn up the bass for this record. Like they yeah, could have, they, they wanna, could have done it. They want to keep and, it like keep it real, keep it authentic. That's where we were as a band at the time. It's such a fucking. Then like, why the fuck move. even do it? Yeah, what's the why fucking the fuck point? would you even fucking do it, dude? Like, if you're not gonna like adjust it, God, you're an asshole. He's a fucking know, moron. You know what's weird? Like considering. This band loves money, obviously. Yeah, I know. That's can all you, they care about. That's can all you they imagine care about. how many how this record would sell if they remastered it and re or remixed I'm sorry, if they remixed it and remastered it with the bass turned up, 
they could do it. I mean, Fleming has said in the past, like, oh, we lost the 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 master tracks, the root, oh, the bullshit. roots, and everything like that. It's like, fuck you, you did not lose that shit. Bull fucking shit. You're probably getting paid to say that shit. Fuck of you, course. Fleming. But um, but yeah, dude, if they re-release this with the bass turned up, this shit would sell like hotcakes. Like fans would love it. Like if you can go on. You can go on YouTube. I don't know if you did it this week, but I, I did actually did it this week, and I listened to it with Jason's bass turned up because you can find mixes of it, and it's another, it's a different experience. Is it, it better? Is different. It is. It it is. A, I don't want to say it's better. I can't imagine it being like so much better because I don't think I think he had his hands tied behind his back anyway. It's just but different. I, it's different. Yeah. Just I mean I would I would highly recommend anybody just going to YouTube. You could I mean there's there's a you could find this album with Jason's bass turned up. I think some of the some of them are people who re-recorded his bass parts and just threw them on there, which is cool. I mean, that's fine because you guys kind of get to hear like a how it was meant to be. But I think, but yeah, it's 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 a different experience. It's cool though. There's like recommend the, if you're Metallica. there's a bunch of box sets, even more so than any of their albums for this one. There, there's there's box sets that that include like. It's like four LPs and then like seven CDs of all demos of all like like riff tapes, yeah. From from like the late eighties, in 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 like DVDs of of live performances of of Jason taking over like Cliff's parts, Mm -hmm. and and we sell one at the record store too for a lot of money, and I I I don't know that be that would be cool to have that would be cool to listen to, but I I just don't think. I think James and Lars have have kept have kept everything close to the vest. I think they're invested in the brand, and I think they've been yeah. invested in the brand honestly since Cliff died. And I think that uh, they're like an unstoppable machine, unstoppable machine. Like there's no there's no no getting in front of them. I don't know. I think you're right. I think you're up. You're totally right. It sounds kind of shitty, but like I I really do think that they've. After Cliff died, that was like that's it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I feel like they, that was that was the the point where they realized they could take full control of the band because they yeah. knew Kirk was kind of a pushover and yeah, Cliff was the only thing that fought against them, especially Lars. I mean, I I love talking shit on him, but I also hate talking shit on him because the dude, the dude can write songs. He can. Love him, or, love him or hate him, he can write fucking good songs. But like Lars and James were there from the beginning. Like Kirk was not yeah. there from the beginning, and neither was yeah. Cliff at that. Neither but, was Cliff, yeah, at that point. But but it's, but it's like Cliff was the only person that that progressed the band, and like Dave Mustaine didn't progress the band in the way that they wanted because he was too outspoken and uh, drunk. But like yeah. so, these were these guys. So it makes you think like it wasn't the drinking that they probably had a problem with. It was probably like the outspokenness they had a problem with. So as as the years have gone on, I feel like you're you're absolutely right, because even to this day, they still can't they still don't get along. You know, Dave Mustaine constantly talks shit on Lars. He doesn't really talk shit on James. He talks shit on Lars and then he talks shit on Kirk for being a shitty guitar player. (laughs) But he never really talks shit on Lars. But even even when they when Dave Mustaine played with Metallica, like in it was 2011 or 2014, whenever Dave played with them. Um, played like Phantom Lord and and fuck what else did he play? Four Horsemen or something like that. Like even then, he was still kind of talking shit about Lars. <laughs> and then even up until maybe a month ago, I read an article where Dave Mustaine said like, "Yeah, 
I would never, I would never allow the release of this particular thing because I don't want to give Lars songwriting credit for it because he didn't write the songs. It's like, dude, it was fucking 40, over 40 years ago. Like you're still bitching about the songwriting credits. But that just like goes to show you either how much of a bitch he is or how much like of a bitch Lars is to where like people legitimately hate him for that long because he is so petty. And again, I, I mean, I don't know Lars personally, but the fact that they made a commercial for Napster, like there is something to be said about that. A fucking yeah. commercial against Napster and going into a child's bedroom. This was a child's <laughs> bedroom. Was a dumb commercial. Like a grown ass fucking man goes into a child's bedroom and takes his computer and says, oh, I'm borrowing this. Like, what are you fucking doing, dude? <laughs> Come on, my guy. Like this is it's so this is, it's so embarrassing. It's this so is Metallica. Embarrassing. This is Metallica. And that's why you hated them for so long until we did them on the pod. Because of that one commercial. And, and that's th- not I mean, even an exaggeration. So. Rightfully fucking so. Honestly. Not even an exaggeration. And I still I, I honestly I still cannot stand Lars. I think I just cannot stand him. I, I think everything about him is just fucking trash. I think he writes great songs, but even then I don't know. I don't know the, the, the extent of what he's writing as opposed to what Cliff is writing or what, what Dave's writing or what uh, James is writing. I don't know. But yeah. I do know that Kill Em All, my God, Lars can play the drums and Kill Em All. At least <laughs> to the songs. Yeah, to the songs. I, I mean, Dave has, I think, I think Dave has two songwriting credits on Kill Em All and it's just Four Horsemen, Phantom Lord, maybe Motor Breath. I don't, I don't remember if, Motor Breath was another one he had a songwriting credit on, but that that was it. And then Cliff has maybe two songwriting credits or three on Master of Puppets, maybe one on on Lightning. Like everything is everything is pretty much Lars and James. Like when you but like when you take songwriting credits at face value, right? You you open a PDF and you just you make a spreadsheet songwriting credits. Here is the history of this band that tells like one small percentage of the story, whereas we don't know the effect that Dave Mustaine had on James, on Lars, on oh, Cliff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we don't I think know. He had a, I think he had a way bigger influence than the band has ever, ever let on. I fucking totally agree. I for sure agree. Because I as much Dave, as I don't... Dave Mustaine's I, a fucking fantastic guitarist. Dude, amazing guitar player. I don't really care for Megadeth. I mean, I've listened to several of their records, even it's, recently. Band's trash. Yeah, I don't really care for their music, but okay. I mean, his... His playing, dude. His his guitar playing is Good fucking God. amazing, amazing guitar player. But yeah, they. I don't know. It's so. I'm so curious to think, like, in an alternate universe, what Metallica would have sounded like. You know, two, three albums deep, had Mustaine Stayed been allowed in the Cliff? band. You know, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Him and Cliff. Can you imagine like the progression between Mustaine and because because Cliff had the songwriting, Cliff had the the nuance, the songwriting, and Dave had the technical ability. Dude, that could have been. I think they had both. I think uh, they both could have pushed each other to their like limits, to their best capabilities, yeah. and we we still would have gotten the Black Album, but the Black Album would have been something that was just better than anything we've ever heard, or had like say say Lars was wasn't in the picture. Like you had, say you had like a guy like Dave Lombardo on the drums, you had Cliff Burton, you had Dave Mustaine, and then you had James as the singer in rhythm. Dude, can you imagine that, that band, that lineup? That would, I mean, 
in an alternate universe that they could have absolutely ruled the fucking rock and roll world right there i I know they already rule the fucking rock and roll world it's like just imagine right like how much better they could be dude that that lineup of those four guys could have been something 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 absolutely insane complete wasted opportunity (laughs) over drinking and well not not yeah but but you know hetfield lars dave you know ego alcohol all that bullshit. And you think like the whole cliff death thing would have brought everybody together, right? Like you think like, holy shit, dude, we all could have died. They all could have yeah. died. Every, any one of them, any yeah. one of them that could have been in, but like, no, it, it got worse. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> the it's, feuding got worse. It got worse to the point where Jason Newstead was so ostracized from the band that he had to remove himself from it because yeah, it took 12, 13 years, but he had to completely remove himself from it and completely distance himself from his brothers and his bandmates because he, it was just so, just so terrible being in the band. Toxic. It's a fucking toxic band. Yeah, and obviously Jason Newstead only stayed because of the money. Had had the black honestly had the black album not blown up, Jason Newstead would have left the band immediately because he For was sure. treated so he was treated so poorly during the making of Injustice. And he was also treated very poorly during the Black Album, but then it fucking exploded. And he, there's no way he would have stayed. So Blacken, uh, do we have anything lyrically on this or like throw, like finally bring this back to Blacken? Do we have anything lyrically on this or should we just move on and just say fuck I, it? There, there's no song on this album that I like dove into the lyrics and like, holy shit, this is so fucking deep. Like they're good lyrics. For sure, yeah. They they match the album, they match the feeling, they match the tone, but but nothing was like was like complex. And this one, no, there wasn't anything deep here. Okay, that's that's fair. I don't think there's anything particularly deep, but I still like his lyrics. I think he has a good way of presenting what he's trying to say. I don't think it's anything super deep. I, I mean, he talks, you know, in this song, he talks about like nuclear war and and devastation and. How it's the yeah. end of the human race it's a and mother nature in general. future in general. Yeah, I mean, I I like the, I like the content. I think the content is really good. I think he has a good way of presenting it. I don't think there's anything super unique about it, but it's still good. He's a good lyricist, honestly. On this record, it's, he's and on Master of Puppets, he is a good lyricist. I can't deny stupid, James that at all. It's stupid to say because it, it really just means like nothing. But the music on this album is cool man and the yeah, lyrics man. on this album are cool man yeah like man. everything everything matches everything's just cool like god damn this is just a really good like headbanging metal album mm-hmm. and it's it's just cool yeah man, man. <laughs> yeah man see if you throw <laughs> man after the cool part it makes the cool thing sound less dumb because like you're being like facetious and stupid yeah. about it sounds way cooler yeah it sounds like you know tommy chong or something like that yeah yeah, man. man, I'd love Cheech and Chong. I'd I'd love those those the first two movies especially, so good. I've not watched those in decades. Dude, I watch them. I watch them a few times a year. I love, especially the first one, Up and Smoke, man. I love. I don't even smoke weed, and I love that first movie so much. Dude, they sell so well on eBay though. Mm, telling you, do they really? The movie oh, or yeah. the the vinyl? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Feels her. Anyway, so let's move on. So your your one B was was blacken. Yeah. Blackened. What is your one B? Shortest straw. The shortest straw. Oh wow. That that main riff that kicks in at forty six seconds. Oh, it's so good. The guitar solo is my favorite Metallica. My favorite Metallica guitar solo is on this song, "The Shortest Straw." Oh my god! Kicks in at three minutes and forty five seconds. It's just the wonkiness, the weird, the weird things he does on this on this solo. Is I've just never really heard anything like it. it the way he hits the wah pedal, the the stop and start of it is. It's so hard to fucking explain his solo on this, but it's so it's so quick, it's so nuanced. I, I this is the best thing he's ever done guitar wise. Kirk Hammett has ever done guitar wise. This is like, my without uh, a fucking doubt. This is my four B. Okay, this that's, that's is low. my four B. I only have five Bs. Okay, <sighs> I know you're okay. so wrong. But what's also cool about his solo, Kirk solo? So you you get that initial guitar solo, and then everything stops. And you think, okay, you're gonna go back into the into like the chorus or whatever, or another extension of the bridge. But then everything stops, and then it goes into another guitar solo, and he's just kind of like ripping it up a little bit. It's it's short, but it's still very sweet, and it just sounds, it's just beautifully crafted. It's it's a perfectly crafted guitar solo and perfectly crafted part of the song. I love shortest straw. Also, the chorus, the, it, it's very silly and very stupid. But it's very catchy as well. Ah, it's I love this song. I love the shortest straw. So here here's let me just to piggyback off of your solo part. Here's what I wrote for the solo. Mm-hmm. I wrote cool solo, some cool mm-hmm. like harmonics right out the gate, great hammers. At four thirty, because I time stamped it too, I know a little fucking cuck boy. At four thirty, <laughs> we even hear that cool type of like eruption shit going on. This is the best solo on the album. Oh yes, definitely. This is this solo was fucking good. This solo was amazing, and I loved it. And this song was really? great. I, but like, I did realize at this point in the album, it's clear that these songs are they barely differ from each other. But you don't just get like tired of the onslaught, right? Like, it's not just like oh another fucking song. Like you realize that okay, I'm hearing the same song now nine times. But again, I don't know why I like every single time. I, I don't know why I like it every single time. I know. I, I I I didn't really come to that kind of conclusion until this week that every song is like a like a metal prog song, but it's the same metal prog song for nine songs, really. Minus like, you know, one, which is I feel like one is the standout when it comes to the entire record. But yeah, dude, it's is it's a lot of the same, but I'm for over an hour, I'm just absolutely amazed. I, I'm it's I'm having true. so much fun. I'm having so much fun. We never, we we never, we would never on this podcast ever say like this is nine songs of the same fucking song, and I love it. Like that just does <laughs> not know. happen ever. I, I don't think we've ever said it. With yeah. Any band. It's like we'll we'll do like a punk record, like an '80s hardcore punk record, and yeah, every fucking song, like Suicidal Tendencies. We did that first record. Every song sounds the same. And it was kind of hard to kind of differentiate between the songs. And it was hard to kind of pick them apart. But this album, every song sounds the same. But we could still differentiate it in a very slight way. In a very nuanced, small I don't know. There's, like, there's, there's something it's about this. There's something about this. It just doesn't make sense. Like It, yeah. shouldn't, it, 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 it shouldn't make sense. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't understand it. But the, dude, this this song's badass. I, I love this. I I I think it's great. The, this song is really about the aggressive chugs and the simple drumming. Like that's that's what makes this song so so accessible for me. Is is just like the aggressive chugs, man. I love aggressive chugs, and yeah. and they perfected it. The the crispness of their chugs on this album is top notch. The way you can kind of hear the picks slide, the crust on top of the strings, the the real quick of those I things. <laughs> God, I love it so much. I know, right? They're they're chugging. This is where they perfected the chugging. Yeah, you could say that you know the song Master of Puppets has that the great chugging parts, but there there was also a lot more to the song and to the leads in that song. This is just straight up like. Dum, 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 dum. It's like open E strings, or you know, just just something so so. You know, low in the tone, that you just don't hear on, on Master of Puppets. This is, this is them like just really kind of finding the, finding the groove. Like, there was a couple songs on here where I thought, oh my god, dude, this is something that Pantera would have done, in the or what Pantera was doing in the nineties. Like they straight up lifted parts of this record and put it on cowboys from hell put it on vulgar display and that's what you got and then especially the older record the 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 other records after after the other pantera records after that because other pantera records are way more groove based way slower and everything like that i feel like at that point pantera was taking from the black album maybe load even at points but but uh, Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar Display really, really took from And Justice for All. And I 100% believe that was their main inspiration on making those two records, was this I, Metallica record. I, I agree. I mean, Vulgar Display was into like, what, fucking 92, 93? Yeah, and then what? Like I think that was 89 four was, years after this. Yeah, and then 90, 89, I think, was Cowboys, or maybe 90? I, I think Cowboys now. was for sure 90, maybe 91. Yeah, so I mean, they, they straight up took from and justice for all and how can how can you not i mean this is just heavy great chugging this isn't as crazy as slayer or megadeth or any of the uh, fucking exodus shit like that you know this is just good melodic groove based thrash metal that's what it was it was it was thrash groove metal that's it's that's so what it's fucking for heavy and it, but it never gets into like this I think Blackened or no uh, another song that we talked about. no yeah it was Blackened Blackened had the cool like hardcore breakdown part was it Blackened oh, yeah oh, no it was Blackened oh. yeah. like you see people like like moshing and stuff I don't know yeah no it wasn't so Blackened I feel like it was what yeah it was Blackened you're right no it was it was one 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 had the cool fucking oh, hardcore the, the, breakdown the slam dancing yeah that's slam dance bro that's hardcore breakdown right there so like like this album is extremely heavy, but it never gets to that point of being heavy. Besides the only song on here that's that's not even like the heaviest song one, I guess that's weird. But uh, but yeah, this album never gets to that point of, of just, let's just throw down a breakdown. Let's just mm-hmm. be like super aggressive with it. Let's slow it down. This album is just like this album is straight up just. That's it. That's all this album is. Yeah, and on top of that, another thing I I really realized this week because. We did Pantera like a year ago, I think it was. And after listening to the to all the Pantera records and then listening to this, like I listened to this record four times this week on vinyl and on Spotify. And what I noticed was the tone that they were that that dime bag got on vulgar display 
was the tone I feel like Metallica was trying to get on this record. Like had had they had Dimebag's guitar tone on this, it would have completely changed everything. Completely. Mm, like, I like that. I like that. Because the songs are here, obviously. But the tone is fucking garbage. The guitar tone on this yeah. is fucking garbage. Like everything else on this record, tone wise, is terrible. This is like this this is honestly the Saint Anger of the nineteen eighties Metallica, but the songs were infinitely better than on Saint Anger. But had they had Dimebag's tone, it would have been completely it would have been unreal. This could this could possibly be better than puppets. Maybe not as good as Metallica. Kill them all, but it could have been definitely better than Lightning and possibly pu- Puppets had they had the tone. Mix had and also had Jason Newstead's bass been turned up in the mix. It could have been absolutely, absolute perfection. That's funny because I like St. Anger because of what could have been. And here we are talking mm-hmm. about this album and how much we like it because of what could have been. You make fun of me for liking St. Anger, but I like St. Anger because of what could have been. <laughs> So don't fucking, don't come at me, which I, okay, on your high horse with what could have been when you're just doing it right now. Which I I understand what you're saying, but this, what we did get from Injustice for All is in, is like a million times better <laughs> than what we got from St. Anger. So that argument still is not, it's not very strong at all. But yeah. anyway, what are we talking about? The shortest straw. We haven't played really anything since one. I'm kind of okay with it. Because yeah. these songs need to be, they can't be played Dude, just in some portions. Dude, fucking you have to, eight minutes long, my God. Yeah. You have to listen to these songs in their entirety to really get what we're talking about. So I, I don't feel bad for not playing it. And I'm probably not going to play any of these songs because... Yeah, it's fine. Who gives a fuck? I don't give a shit. But the shortest straw, what do we have? Do we have anything lyrically on this? Should we? Dude, I wrote, like, I wrote one line. The shortest straw relates to getting dealt a shit hand by chance. In the song, the straw is already chosen. That's it. Okay. That's it. Um, yeah, I kind of got the same thing. Like, he's talking about how people, like, poor people are, are treated differently in society. You know, in when they're in front of a judge, you know, they're always sent to jail. And, you know, the rich people can always get away. They can get away with everything because they have the money to get away with it. And just, it's this constant just cycle of the rich getting richer the rich gaining more power and the the poor just being you know put lower and lower into society i guess if that makes sense fucking poor people that's kind of from it. the common denominator poor. in all of, of society's problems are always poor people mariah 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 <laughs> i guess i guess yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's mean it is spoken by by somebody who's never been a rich person, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But if I was a rich girl, if I was a rich girl, na, na, there na, it na, is. Na, 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 na. Yeah, well, there you go. Then I like, like Gwen Stefani because you hate that song. I, I love you Gwen like, Stefani. You hate you hate Hollaback Girl. That's what it is. Yeah, Hollaback Girl's a terrible song. That's right. All right. So, what is your what's your two B? Do we even have that uh, to talk about? My two B was one. Okay, that was uh, that was easy, yeah. right? Blackened, I had one, and then my three B. What's your two B? My two B is, um, oh my god, what is the name of the song? 
Oh, Die Year's Eve. The last song. Final song. Ooh, that's my 5B. That's a, it's a total thrash song. That, yeah. That build up. That build up. <laughs> the build up. Jumps into, right into the shit for sure. Yeah. It gets super fucking fast. It's a great riff. It, not only is it fast, but it's it's just a catchy, catchy kind of riff. Like Slayer just. Slayer plays fucking fast and aggressive. And this song is fast and aggressive, but it still has some kind of melody or some kind of. I don't know. It, it's kind of it, it's interesting. It's more interesting in that that fast thrash riff, and I, it's so it's so fucking good. And at what is it? I think it's a. I can't remember the the exact exact timestamp, but there's a part where everybody stops. There's like a lot of good stop and goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this song, I I I I like Lars's drumming on this one. I think the toms yeah. are deep. They sound deep. He, uh, I don't know, the fill that leads into the last or the fast part is cool in stereo because you can follow the toms. Because you can follow the toms throughout the left and the right channels, and that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like this one, this one cuts off "To Live Is to Die," and "To Live Is to Die" is my three B, and this one cuts it off super quick. So like "To Live Is to Die" exists for a sole purpose. And then this album ends, rightfully so, with what makes Metallica Metallica. But Dyer's Eve cuts off to live is to die so fucking fast. It does. It almost yeah. undermines the song itself. And I kind of like get this. And like to live is to die is the only one that, that has like uh, 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 credits to um, fucking other boy. Fucking, uh, I don't know. Kirk Burton. Kirk God Hammett. damn. Oh, Cliff, 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 Burton. Cliff Burton. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't even <laughs> think right now. Yeah, uh, "To Live Is to Die" is the only song that 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 credits um, Cliff Burton, and it's just it's just one riff. And again, like who gives a fuck because the bass is non-existent. And so, like to throw Dyer's yeah. Eve and have it cut off "To Live Is to Die" so fast, so abruptly, undermines "To Live Is to Die," and it makes this band seem even more kind of uh, petty and shitty. But I love both of the songs. Yeah. I do too. Like. To live is to live is to die is a great instrumental track. I mean, technically it's not instrumental because it has like the dialogue going and everything, but it really is. It's like fucking eight minutes, and it's just it's just constant build up, drop, build up, drop, build up, drop, which is great. But it just doesn't. This is my to live is to die is my six B. Ooh, and it's as low as it is because of that. Like it just doesn't really. It doesn't build up crescendo and then kind of like finish off and just round out the song. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of ups and downs in this song, and that's kind of why it's as low as it is. And and I agree with you the whole Cliff thing and and how Cliff, you know, Jason ended up playing like some of Cliff's parts on this, and that's why he's credited. It's just like, why does that's it even matter at this point? You can't you can't yeah. even hear Jason's parts anyway. What the fuck is the point? It's it's stupid. It's silly. It it, it seems. Um I don't know, man. It, it seems, it seems like they're taking advantage of the death. It seems like they're, they're taking advantage of Cliff's death, saying, "Oh, there's one song on our new album that actually Cliff was working on," and like that. I don't know. It, it seems skeezy. I don't like it. I don't like bit, it at yeah. all. I, I, but then I think it's it seems also disingenuous. You know, I, I don't like it. It's gross. But there's also you know the grief aspect of it, so you, it's kind of hard to say. You know, there was. I don't know. It was kind of done right. in a shady yeah. way. I've I've no I've 
like we have no way of knowing. We don't know what it was like to lose somebody like that in that way, right? Mm-hmm. My God, dude! Again, it could have been anybody on that fucking bus. And yeah, just, I think they even. I think, I think Kirk even said like they flipped a coin. It was kind of like you know the whole Buddy Holly thing. Yeah, they, I, I think they even like flipped a coin. Or no, what it was was I think Cliff had or one of the two had been drinking too much, and they went to bed early or. Maybe Kirk was staying up later to party or something. It was something like that. And that's why they, they, that's why Cliff went to the bunk that he did. And because when he went to that bunk, that's why he got thrown out of the bus when the bus crashed. And that's why he got crushed. And it, yeah, dude, it's just like, supposedly he died instantly, but, but it's just like, dude, he was, he was thrown through a bus window. Motherfucker, them, I don't know about them bus windows in the 80s, but yeah. bus windows are thick as shit. <laughs> yeah, are, that's true too. They have thick ass windows, so to be thrown through the window and then crushed by said bus is uh. Can you imagine brutal. the the guilt? You know, for the sure from Kirk. You know, knowing that you know that could have been me, and my best friend just died. You know, it's the guilt behind Dude, that must have been unreal. It still is probably. Imagine waking up from your bunk. And you're by you're you're like on the 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 uh, the floor or the ceiling because the bus is turned over, yeah. And you're 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 talking. You're like, what the fuck's going on? You hear all your bandmates, but you don't hear one, right? And so you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where's where's Cliff? You climb out of the bus and, dude, that's gnarly, man. That is some fucked up shit. That is some shit that people like nobody should ever have to see that. No, that's sad. That is super sad. And it's and so I don't tragic. know, man. I think to live is to die is a very I think it's a cash grab. I do. I, I think it's a fucking cash grab on Cliff's death because I can't get over the fact that it's just abruptly ended by Dyer's Eve. But maybe that's the point. Yeah. Maybe it's the point of, of like, hey, this is the chapter that has ended. We are moving on. Dyer's Eve done. This is us without Cliff. I'm, I don't know. I'm honestly not going to disagree with you on that. It very well could be that. I'm not. I, I would not put it past him. I think we're reading, reading way too into this album that these guys are not capable of writing. <laughs> but <laughs> also, also when you you think you know these guys, you know they're fucking blitzed. You know they're constantly drunk, who and you know all the other drugs that they're doing at the time. You know they're, they're out of their fucking mind, especially after their oh, yeah. their best friend died. You know their brother died. Yeah, dude, it must have been. I can't even imagine what it was like. And I mean, I've only read and seen stories, you know, of them. The alcohol was so much that they would, they were like, when when Jason joined the band, they were like hazing the guy. He was a little bit younger than them. He kind of idolized the band at that point, and they just treated him like shit. Like when you hear like Red Hot Chili Peppers when when John Frusciante joined the band, like they kind of accepted him with open arms. They loved him. They they gave him just you know all the songwriting stuff. You know, they just it was just a completely different environment. And you go to Metallica, and it's just like. Everything you hear about Jason's tenure with the band, especially at the beginning, was just horrific and just and just sad. I mean, this like, was you the, feel bad for Jason. This was the machismo metal scene of of the late eighties, though. Like this is this mm-hmm. is just what it was, and it's it's stupid and terrible. But I mean, that's that's the scene. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Gross. All right. Um, I mean, lyrically on Dyer's Eve. What I what I understood of this one 
It's about being abandoned by your by your parents, by your family, because James Hetfield was like in real life. His his father abandoned him when he was like twelve. His mom died when he was sixteen of cancer, and he was kind of left alone. Like he had no, you know, parental support. Or, yeah, dude, that was so sad. I had no it's idea. Really sad. I didn't know that. I didn't really know that either. That he had kind of like such a shitty upbringing in life, but fucking the worst. <laughs> I feel this is like the most vulnerable I ever. I think he's ever been on any record, but yeah, it's really really sad. And to kind of wrap up the record with that on that emotional and vulnerable level was uh, was uh, sad. It was really sad. good stuff. Good stuffs. Yeah. So, what have we not talked about? We haven't talked about. Freight Ends of Sanity, Harvester of Sorrow, which is my 9B. I have the Beholder and the title track, Injustice for All. Do we I want to talk about no anything more, else? I have no more Bs. Every, all the, the other four tracks are not my Bs. Okay, that's fine. I mean, we don't have to talk about it. We've talked like a lot. Yeah. A, <laughs> a lot about ton. the making of this record and a lot of shit. So let's wrap it up. Let's give our final thoughts on this record, Injustice for All. We'll give it our, uh, we'll rank it or we'll rate it on our, from our world famous three point rating system where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what are your final thoughts and your rating on this record? Go. Again, as, as, as I've said, as we've said on paper, this, this makes no sense. This, this is an album that we would normally shit all over for being nine tracks, 65 minutes of the same fucking thing over and over and over and over. I don't know why I don't care. I don't know why I enjoy the constant chugging. There's not a lot of variety. There really isn't. Like when you really break it down, riff by riff, song by song, there's not a lot of variety. But I don't know, man. It still it still rings. It still rings, and I, I still love it. I cannot believe that I love it so much because I should fucking hate this so much. I know. <laughs> but, God, I love that. I just love that chugging sound. And and maybe it's one of those things where, like, like friend friend of the pod, Kevin, when he would, uh, like, surfer Kevin, when he used to post those, post those stupid-ass fucking things, only a surfer knows how it feels. He didn't even surf. Remember that, Kevin? Yes, I knew, I do know what Kevin you're talking about. But like whenever I'm not I'm not even like a good guitarist by any shape of the imagination, but same. Every everybody that knows how to play guitar or picks up a guitar loves to do the because it just sounds fucking rad. It sounds yeah. It sounds amazing. And makes I think you feel that's good. God, it really fucking does make you feel good. Just chugging along to a really crisp, a really heavy guitar. It just sounds so cool, man. Mian, mm. like Tommy yeah, Chong. So, so I, I, I think that's why this album gets more props. There's a lot to hate about this for sure. Like the bass tones, the production, Lars's drumming is fucking trash. There's a lot of things to hate about this album, but there's a lot of endearing aspects of this. There, there's, there's a lot of parts to this album that sound like a bunch of kids that are trying to make a good album that have grown up a little bit that are kind of lost. They lost their bro. They got a new bro. They don't know really where to progress. They don't know what to do. And so there's a lot of cool stuff about this album. This yeah. is this is factually their last great album. And that is hands down a fact. That is objective. That's you you it's, you can snopes it. It's fact. It happened. 
So uh, I don't know. <laughs> I give it like a, I give it two point five. I give it two point five. I'm I'm surprised you gave it that high of a ranking. I give it two point five. There's a lot to like. Again, there's a lot to hate, but there's a lot to like, and there's a lot to love. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So my final thoughts. Uh, I mean, we we spent I think roughly two hours, at least two hours, talking about this record. I feel like Jason was given an un, un an unfair. How, what am he's I trying put, to say? He's put in a situation that he could possibly yeah. not like live up to. Exactly. Yeah. He was he was unfairly treated by the rest of the band, and it's a, it's a real shame because, like I said, this, I feel like. Had the guitar, had the tones been better, had his bass been turned up, had Lars been turned down a little bit with the drums, this could have been a truly remarkable album. This could have possibly been the greatest Metallica record. Yeah. Had had the I tones agree. been there, had the tones been there. Yeah, Puppets, songwriting wise, is a better record, but tone wise, had the tone been there for this, this could have been the be- one of the best, if not the best, Metallica record. Um, And it just, it has so many faults, but then, you know, it has so many great moments. Even though Lars is such a fucking shit drummer, he has some really great, amazing fills on this record. So he's not a good double. He's not good at playing the double, the double pedal, double bass pedal. Oh, it's trash. But but he has some good nuanced moments, good moments where he just places them perfectly in 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 the mix of the song that just sounds. It just sounds so great and so perfect and. Once again, Kirk Hammett's guitar solos, the shortest straw. That guitar solo is fucking amazing. I fucking love that guitar solo. James Hetfield's right hand, his rhythm guitar playing, the one of the best, if not the best, of all time. This record is truly underrated, and it's such a fucking shame that it 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 was it was produced in the way that it was. And um, I don't know. We, we spent two hours. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to go. Myself. What is it? There we go. What? I'm going to give this a perfect three out of three. Oh my God. Are you, don't, gra- are you don't fucking care. joking my ass right now? Their, their first are you four joking albums, my ass right now? No, their first four albums are, are perfect albums. Yeah, they have their, their drawbacks, but in the end, overall, it is a perfect album. Wow. Because even when you look at any album we love, look at any Blink album, they have their faults, obviously. But overall, oh. they're they're an amazing, perfect album. You 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 look at Blink's Blink. You look at Neighborhoods. You look at Toy Patch. Nine. You know the. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> um, you look at that shit. Yeah, yeah. They don't always have the greatest tones, and the greatest you know things here and there. But overall, they're that's just like. Now. No. They're we, the combination of it of it all is just it's absolute perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just even derailed it with nine. Just derailed you it. You did. I can't even think straight. I, I already had a hard time thinking straight because I've already had a few too many beers. But um but yeah, perfect three out of three. Damn, a perfect just three out of three. Wow. Yeah, I fucking love this record. I no Metallica you should get a perfect three out of three. Fact. Well, you're fucking stupid. No, nah, I'm just kidding. You're I saying would, I would, no, in the last kidding. two minutes you said some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I, I like like kill them all for me, three out of three. Easy, hands down. Master of Puppets, I'm probably going to give it a 3 out of 3. Red and Lightning, I'm probably going to give it a 3 out of 3. This one, I give a 2.5, just because there are a lot of things that I don't like about it. But Okay, that's fair. I'm going to buy this on the vinyls. I'm probably going to buy it fucking tomorrow. Oh, it's so good. 
I will say when I bought this on vinyl, I bought I bought a new pressing or a recent pressing, so it was sealed, double LP, and even even though we've talked about all the shortcomings of of, of its production and mix and everything, when you throw this on like on a like I don't even have like a great setup, you know, with my my record player and everything and the speakers, but it still sounded punchy as fuck. It sound it sounded oh. really fucking good. So I imagine somebody because you have you have a better setup, much better setup than I do now. And I imagine when you throw on Justice, it's gonna sound it's gonna sound better than you than you think. So yeah, perfect three out of three for me. Um, That's crazy. Okay. I don't give a fuck. So do we have anything else or what should we do? No, what, what do you want to uh, do? That's it. That's all. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the podcast. You know, go to Spotify, give us five stars. Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Tell all your friends because we are the best podcast in the whole world. And you know what? That's it. That's all. The bird. And Metallica really is a, is, is a band that did four albums, and I think that's it. They're they're a band that that <laughs> created or I don't even say created, popularized a, a specific sound, perfected said sound, and then yeah. rode the coattails for their next 50 years yeah right <laughs> oh my god four amazing albums in six years and then trash for the next 30 Boy, <laughs> we're not, not, i wouldn't say i wouldn't say trash i'm sorry not trash it's, there's it's, some it's, great it's, stuff yeah. after after injustice there's some great stuff but overall the next 30 years has been almost all trash i'd rather have that first six than, than the next 30 if you listen to this record not in the order that you did like because this is the first thing you listen to so you're expecting more but had you listened to this record after lulu load and reload then you would realize and saying anger you would have thought oh my god this this record's so much better than than what you're saying now so you're stupid uh <laughs> my number eight is uh my number eight saying anger dude this is oh you little bitch dude like this is rolling breakdown parts great solos like Hatfield's got some energy behind him. Like my are, favorite are you parts. Hatfield. Yeah, Hatfield. Like Juliana Hatfield. Like the Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> Why are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I just I, I heard that too when I said the Hatfields. <laughs> this is like the third time you've said it, and I haven't called you out on it until right now. The bass is non-existent. The mm-hmm. guitar. The the guitars. The guitars. The toys. The toy. The fuckers. Got some toy noops, the toy guitars. <laughs> <laughs> the guitars are super fucking loud, and there are parts of the how, the fuck, dude. I'm like slurring uh, all my words and sound like a yeah. butthole right now, like an actual <laughs> tight butthole. Um, and there are parts of the album where I think like Lars is drumming. Lots to talk about. I know. <laughs> Okay, I hate that fucking song. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I know it's so terrible. <laughs> I hate that song so much. <laughs> it is a perfect album. Wow. Because even when you look at any album we love, look at any Blink album, they have their faults, obviously. But overall, oh. they're they're an amazing, perfect album. You, you you look at Blink's Blink. You look at Neighborhoods. You look at Toy Patch. Nine. You know, the, well, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you look at that shit 